Welcome to Musings with Rob. My special guest today is Joe. And you've been on a mission trip. And I'm very curious to hear more about your journey. What inspired you to do this to begin with? And just anything that you can tell me about that first uh, mission of yours. Um, yeah. That's a very broad question to begin with. Yeah. Um, what inspired me to go on my first mission trip? I think there were so many different aspects of it. Um, I think I took something called Vision School. And Vision School is it's like an eight weeks mission training program. Um, and at the time, I was wondering, uh, kind of, and asking the Lord, kind of, you know, where He desires for me um, kind of to go or what to do, I guess, with my time. I think that I was like serving, I was serving my church uh, very faithfully. I was doing uh, many different ministries upon my campus as well. Um, but I felt like there was still something more uh, that the Lord was asking me to do. And at the time, um, He kind of led me to take um, this mission training program. Uh, and at first, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But um, what, what this like vision school really showed me was how little I kind of knew and understood God's heart and how little, I guess, how small my overall vision was, um, not just for my life, but also for uh, the work that God is doing. Uh, we know that God is like such a great God. He's a, he's a big God. And I, I think a lot of times um, I forget that He's just not my personal Savior, my Lord and my Savior, but um, He is a God who works um, globally and He works um, full time, uh, 24-7, every day of the week um, for the salvation of nations. Um, and I think that uh, especially just living in my own kind of confines of my own house, of my own ministry, of my church even. Uh, I forgot how big God was. And uh, through this vision school, I really saw, um, and what it is, it's not just a mission training program, but um, they really, um, so for these eight weeks, uh, we have uh, different missionaries that come and to share and speak about what God is doing in uh, the nations and very, very specifically the most unreached nations. Um, it's a place called, you know, the 1040 window. It was actually a, a term coined by, uh, I believe, Dr. Louise Bush, who's a missiologist. And what the 1040 window is, it's a, it's a place and it's a region in the world where the most unreached people groups are, the most unreached nations. Um, and I, I guess kind of what that means, the definition of unreached nation is um, a place in a, in a place where there is no church and not just no church, there are no believers. Um, and even if there are believers, um, those believers cannot evangelize or sustainably evangelize to see the work of God being fulfilled in that nation. Uh, these are places like Turkey, places like Saudi Arabia, uh, Morocco, uh, Israel, Palestine, uh, places um, like Iraq and Syria. Uh, in these places, there are um, no churches, no Christians, or very, very little Christians. And even if you are Christian, um, you don't have the means 
or the ability to evangelize your own people. And this is what we call an unreached people group. And I guess taking this vision school, it really opened my eyes to see um, God's heart for these places, God's heart for the nations. And um, yeah, I, I saw that there was a need and uh, we have to go. <laughs> and I think that in that moment, I, I decided, yeah, I, 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 I want to go and I want to be a part of that. Um, there's also something called like the great imbalance. And what the great imbalance is, is, um, you know, if you do a little bit of research into, you know, global missions, uh, global, uh, the world evangelization, you know, in, I believe, 1986, 1986, I, bl I believe, um, there was a, a conference um, in, uh, in, um, in the Philippines, as the Lausanne Conference. Uh, for world evangelization and at that time uh, many uh, evangelical leaders many missionologists gathered in Melina uh, in the Philippines um, to see what is the state of uh, global missions at this time uh, you know we know Jesus he came and he gave us the great commission in Matthew 28 uh, verse 19 uh, to the church and what this kind of conference was was these church leaders and um, pastors and uh, great evangelists came together and to discuss, okay, where are we in terms of the Great Commission? <laughs> where are we now? Uh, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, since the Great Commission, you know, how far along are we um, for the evangelization of the world? And what they found was um, that as a church, a global church, we had only reached a little bit more than half of the world. So 2,000 years down the line since Jesus came and gave us the Great Commission, um, we had only fulfilled about half, a little bit more than half. And that took 2,000 years. And that is absolutely crazy uh, to think about. And I think at that conference, many people were just kind of blown away um, and wondering like, what, what is the reason for this? And uh, something, a study came out and it was called the great imbalance. And it was trying to share, it was kind of sharing about, okay, as a global church, where are we um, sending our missionaries um, at this time? And where are we sending our funds, our mission funds at this time globally? And through this study, they found that almost more than like 90% of the missionaries that we send out as a church, um, especially from North America, we're sending them to places that are already reached. Um, and not just the missionaries that we're sending out, but the funding, the funding of the church for missions specifically most of that, if I, I think it was a crazy amount, it was like nine, almost 98, 97% of the missions funding from the church to global missions was going to places that were already reached. And so this kind of shocked the world and kind of shocked the global church to redirect our efforts, redirect our eyes to the most unreached nations and the most unreached people groups. Um, this kind of imbalance 
it still exists today. Um, there's still so much hardship um, to kind of get people to see the need in these unreached places, um, mostly because these are places where many people kind of don't think about. Or many these places are places where people may think that it's very dangerous, or you know, there's no way that you know missions can work in this place. Um, but of course, this is all of our own like human thinking, our own human knowledge, um, and God, you know. Jesus Christ himself, he, he commanded us as a church that we must preach the gospel to all nations, uh, every tribe, people, and tongue. Um, and kind of like when I heard about this, when I saw about this, actually, I was planning on going on a trip to Panama um, at that time, that summer. But as soon as I heard this, and as soon as I kind of took in all of this, it really shook me. And I realized, yeah. We, we have to go to these most unreached nations, these frontier nations. Um, I'm not saying there's not work to be done in places like Panama, um, where I was originally going to go to. But I think that even if you look at it objectively and logically, there are so many workers going to these places, so many churches, so many organizations, um, so much funding, money, uh, resources are going to these places already. And yet there are places where there is almost nothing um, there um, for evangelization of that country, of that nation, of those people groups. And I, I kind of took it upon myself saying, well, if, if, if no one's going to go, then, you know, I, I should go. <laughs> uh, and that's how I, uh, I was a student missionary. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I got to like re- introduce myself uh, I was a student missionary um, to Egypt uh, for a year a little bit more than a year uh, during that time I was also able to do a short-term mission trip to um, Tunisia and also uh, a small trip to Iraq as well um, and I got I just gotta say that the harvest is truly plentiful um, but the laborers are very few uh, in these places. Um, yeah. What was the most awesome thing that you saw? You know, what stood out to you? I know having traveled abroad myself, you go into these countries and you see things compared to where you're living back in the U.S. You see these things and you, you have these experiences and it just, it, it wows you. It wows you. So, what was the most awesome thing that you saw or uh, what you learned while traveling over there? Uh, I learned so many different things. Um, way too much. Oh, man, I don't even know where to begin. I, I was, uh, I think the most, the thing that really wowed me was to see the church, the church of Christ together. And what that means is, I think that, again, my understanding of the church of Christ was so small and very limited to my church um, or the churches in my area, um, churches I grew up in, even as, a, as a, I'm, a, I'm a Korean American. And so I grew up, obviously, in a lot of Korean American churches, um, 
But my understanding of the Church of Christ was so small and limited. Um, there was a time where I was in a certain nation uh, for a gathering. Uh, I'm not allowed to say where, but I, there was a gathering of believers um, from all over the world. And uh, this is, a, I think it was a lot different. Like we have um, conferences and gatherings and um, these kind of things in North America. Um, but mostly, you know, they can be from different backgrounds and ethnicities and races and, uh, and, and tribes and, and languages. Um, but for the, for the majority of the part, you know, they're all um, American, you know. Although I'll be, you know, Korean American or whatever American, or maybe like immigrant or second generation, third generation uh, Christians uh, gathering at these conferences. But um, it was such a different experience when I was at this gathering of believers and there were about over 70 different nations gathered at this event. And I think there were about like 23 languages um, present and all of these believers coming together and <laughs> we were just worshiping together um, the same song but you know in 23 different languages I think there was like there was like a PowerPoint and you know it, it's crazy like all these languages together uh, worshiping uh, at the same time and I think at that time I really I really saw a glimpse of, of heaven uh, of what heaven will be and what heaven will look like and I saw that this is truly the church of Christ that you know transcends language barrier that transcends nationality that transcends all these different things and you know I saw in that moment yeah this is this is a glimpse this is a very glimpse of heaven um, we know that, you know, in Revelations chapter 7, when it talks about the great multitude, it says you know, every tribe, language, and tongue will gather before the throne of God. And they will all, you know, surround his throne and worship him, you know, eternally. And in that, in that time, in that, in that meeting, I, I truly saw a, a glimpse of that. And that wasn't even, you know, all of it. That, that wasn't even, you know, every tribe or language and tongue. But I think just being in that, that moment where I could truly say, you know, this is the church. Um, I don't know who these people are, most of them. I can't even communicate with them um, through my English or through, you know, Arabic. Um, but, man, the love of Christ was in that room, and the presence of God was in that place. And to see that, I think it, it was just a, just a, a crazy experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can truly imagine. Is there anything that you took from that whole experience and apply it to your current life experience? Um, yes, of course. I think that, um, honestly, uh, honestly speaking, I think that I, I thought I lived a very, I guess, genuine Christian life uh, or lifestyle you know, living day to day here back in North America, uh, in my hometown. I was doing a lot of ministry. I was doing a lot of good things, a lot of good things, you know, um, you know, volunteer work, you know, serving my church, um, you know, serving in all my campus 
uh, in different ministries, but I think going abroad on this mission trip really put things um, back to the basics of what you know the Lord really is calling us to do, and that is to uh, preach the gospel. Um, and not a, a watered-down gospel, but uh, the truth. Uh, the truth, um, because only the gospel is power. It says in you know, Revela uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, uh, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to all who believe, uh, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. It also says in Second Timothy, you know, uh, preach the gospel in and out of season, um, no matter where you are, no matter what season it is. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, He is coming very soon, although we don't know when uh, He is going to come. And uh, I think I realized, it just put into perspective and scope, um, I guess, of the importance of things in my life, the hierarchy of, I guess, importance of the things I do with my life. And um, I think at the top of that is now, you know, we have to preach the gospel. Um, in and out of season, um, wherever we are, um, to as many people as we can. Um, because, you know, in this day, um, the world is growing cold. Uh, as it says in Matthew chapter 24, um, the world is, is, is getting darker and love is getting cold. And, uh, you know, there are so many rumors going around, uh, so, many, so much evil. And the answer is, of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, we have to preach the gospel no matter what uh, until the very end to take you know as many people as we can uh, to the throne of God, to the throne of grace. And uh, before in my life, I think that it wasn't a priority for me. Uh, there was still there, you know there was a lot of fear even in my in my life. Uh, how can I preach the gospel um, to people? How can I kind of get into people's lives? I think there's a lot of fear of man. A lot of fear of man, uh, especially uh, living in North America. Uh, there's a lot of individualism. There's a lot of humanism. Um, there's all these, you know, isms uh, that exist, and uh, we want to kind of respect one another, um, respect boundaries, respect uh, people's beliefs. Um, but you know, living in you know Muslim country uh, for a year. Um, there is no way around preaching the gospel in, in a place like this. Actually, um, the gospel is immediately uh, is immediately offensive um, from the very beginning. Uh, the moment you say, you know, Jesus is God, it is immediately offensive. <laughs> you are tearing down a wall. You are breaking down this relationship um, because you know in these Muslim. Uh, countries and nations you know they 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 don't like to to speak about religion uh, they don't want to speak about a god and and the moment you preach the gospel the moment you say you know jesus is god um he died on the cross he rose again uh they are immediately you you are you are telling them in that moment that their whole life basically is a lie <laughs> what they believe what they grew up with um everything in their life um and I, I have had moments where you know i'm on the street and i'm preaching the gospel to people and they will get so angry at me 
and they would say to me like why are you why are you telling me this like do you are you trying to you know get in a fight with me are you trying to you know offend me are you what are you what are you trying to do um and i think living in 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 a muslim nation and uh, preaching the gospel you know on the streets it really kind of broke this humanism within me and broke this fear of man um where the truth must be must be preached um no matter what no matter what circumstance um because the truth you know it it, it will set you know people free um and i think that um that a lot of the fear of man has been broken in me uh coming back to north america and i really you know sharing this gospel uh, without any fear yeah and i think that is the biggest thing the biggest change that i see in my life um you know when you ask a muslim person to believe in jesus um it is a really big thing you're asking them to basically to 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 die to give up their life um if you ask someone um you know believe in jesus you're asking them to you know forsake their family um to get kicked out of their home to lose their job um probably will never get married um and some even you know fearing for their life and this is not an easy thing to you know ask people to do uh, when you're preaching the gospel um and yet you know we see as we preach this gospel uh, people will receive and people are willing uh, to give up their old life uh, to give up everything in their life to throw everything away their family their future their career marriage whatever it is um to find new life in Jesus Christ and seeing that i think really shook me um to what it really means to preach the gospel um because how can i ask someone to do that without being willing to do that myself you know i i would be a hypocrite if i if i go to another nation and say hey believe in jesus hey leave your family uh, leave your future leave everything behind and believe in jesus um you know i can't do that you know unless i i myself am convicted and am am willing to to run that race alongside that person and um yeah i mean jesus was rejected you know and uh hey i mean okay yeah <laughs> well this is uh good information and joe i want to thank you for uh joining our program today i hey we we should do this again sometime eh yeah sure um, i'll be more than happy to you have been listening to musings with rob please join us again next time mm-hmm.